Hello, and welcome back to the Digital Bodhisattva podcast. Today we have a wonderful conversation that was a real pleasure to take part in between myself, Dexter Bone, and Vidyananda KV Soon, where we explored this topic of the digital bodhisattva, what that means for um, ways of being able to practice compassion and building our compassionate awareness as we engage with digital technology. It was a freewheeling conversation. Uh, we got into some great breadth and depth with some real technodharmic treats involved. So make sure you listen uh, to the whole conversation because there was a really great flow. And if you have any feedback on the conversation, we'd love to hear it. We'd also love for you to be able to join future conversations like this that we're hosting regularly on the Digital Buddies Off Clubhouse. But for now, sit back and enjoy the conversation. We have a juicy new topic that I think is right on the money for uh, what what this is this initiative is all about. Um, because the title of this uh, conversation is basically practicing digital compassion. So I was just, I was actually reading just a little article here on lionsroar.com uh, about the Bodhisattva, like a very, a very um, general one. And it was talking about Chogim Trumpa, the Tibetan teacher who wrote um, some very lucid things about the Bodhisattva. This is a very interesting topic to, to kind of talk about. Maybe you can start, you know, share, share your reading of, of the, uh, uh, from Chogun Trupa. Yeah, the, uh, so it's less a reading and more a distillation of what he uh, was sharing about the Bodhisattva. So he basically just says that a Bodhisattva is a person who has lived in the spirit of Buddhism's Bodhisattva vow, which is uh, committing, committing oneself to bringing all other sentient beings to enlightenment before they reach that point themselves. So it's a very, uh, it's a selfless act. And in Tibetan Buddhism, especially there's these marvelous emanations, different versions of the, of bodhisattvic beings that, uh, do this work of, um, of liberating others, bringing them, bringing them to that place in different ways. So there's like Avalokitesarva, who uh, the Dalai Lama is an incarnation of, who's a Bodhisattva of compassion. Then there's like Manjushri, which is a Bodhisattva of wisdom. There's a whole kind of pantheon of these images. And I, I think that it, they're very influential and important for Tibetan Buddhism and uh, the way that that's understood and practiced. But I think that there's very, there can be very fruitful applications of this of this path to the, to the digital sphere. So that, that's really the, kind of the, the thrust of this initiative. It's like understanding this very ancient, um, these very ancient beliefs and practices in a very techno-dharmic space that we live in today. So yeah, that, that was kind of like the gist of what I was reading and there's, there's more detail as well, but I'll leave it there. Yeah, interesting. I think even the term body, Bodhisattva has different meanings, slightly different meanings uh, across the different schools of Buddhism. And, you know, to the Theravada um, or the, uh, to the Pali tradition, the word is Bodhisattva 
and refers to it, it refers to anyone who has made a resolution to become a Buddha and has also received a confirmation or a prediction from a living Buddha that this would be so. But however, however, in the Mahayana tradition, a Bodhisattva refers to anyone who generates the bodhicitta, the heart of the heart of uh, of of body or enlightenment, that is a spontaneous wish and compassionate mind to attain Buddhahood for the benefit of all sentient beings. So they're quite they're quite different in this in this sense. But I think the main difference here, the main similarity here, not difference, the main similarity here is that, you know, uh, enlightenment, you know, striving for perfection is, is the main thing, right? And in the, in the, in the Theravada, in the, in the Mahayana tradition, it gives rise to, you know, emphasize a lot on uh, compassion, you know, and the saving of all ancient beings. But that doesn't mean that, that the Theravada Buddhism's interpretation of Buddhisattva is not compassionate. You know, to to attain Buddhahood, to to have a will, to to become a Buddha implies the practice of compassion as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I think compassion is is definitely the main theme across the, the these two big traditions of Buddhism. Then again, we are here not to discuss about the semantics of Bodhisattva, but rather the spirit of Bodhisattva existing in the digital realm, in our, our digital world. We spend most of our time now, you know, communicating, connecting, and living our lives in the digital environment. So how do we practice compassion in, in this environment, right? Where we don't see a person as we normally see a person in front of you. We don't come together in a, in a group, physically but we engage each other virtually on platforms that does not belong to us that we have very little control over so i think this this is the this needs to be the main discussion we are we're going to talk about how do you retain the the practice of compassion you know in in a very different world where i'm not even sure if the buddha predicted a world like this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's the interesting part. So this is what we need to really think about and talk about and share. You know, hopefully we can get some ideas and thoughts on this, on this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And so like something that was really piquing my interest um, about this digital application or digital understanding of the Bodhisattva path is how the specific qualities of, um, of the Bodhisattva that the Bodhisattva tries to perfect is working to perfect, the six paramitas, so the six perfections, how those can be understood in a digital space. So I'm just reading here is that we, the six paramitas are generosity, discipline, patience, exertion, meditation, and transcendental knowledge. Um, and through the through the skillful use of these um, of these tools, the bodhisattva works to liberate all beings. And so I'm I'm curious. I have my own reflections like that are coming up already about what these could mean in terms of um, how we engage with 
the digital space. Like to take generosity, for instance. This one is a. Uh, th- this one gives me a little bit of pause, <laughs> because. Yeah, it it seems like the digital space is actually a place where, uh, we kind of go to almost selfishly, um, to absorb and to attain information and or at least this is maybe the basic mode that i feel i go into these spaces with like i'm going there to get something i'm going there to uh achieve a connection or to learn something new about whatever it is and so i'm wondering how how we can apply generosity or practice even generosity as an expression of compassion in in the digital space i wonder if you have any thoughts on that well if you if you go back okay my opinion is that we let's look back in the time of the buddha you know um his teaching was not in a was not taught in a vacuum it was not a theoretical dissertation of ethics or, or enlightenment okay it was response uh it was a response or responses to the suffering, if you like to use the term, uh, to the dissatisfaction or the dukkha of the people around, you know, and he addressed them as it were, as, you know, as at, at that time, uh, you know, the famous story of a cowherd, you know, uh, he was, he was due to meet the Buddha, to listen to his teachings, but he couldn't find his, his cows. He spent the whole evening, you know, going to, going all over the place to look for the, look for them, and when he finally found them, uh, it was so late that you know he thought that the Buddha was had completed his his teachings, and he very sadly went up to Buddha and he says, "Well, you know, I missed my teaching. I missed the teachings, you know." And instead of asking the 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 man, the cowherd, to sit down and and to listen to his teaching, the first question he asked is, the Buddha asked was, have you eaten? You must be hungry. You know? So, it's, it's a very human response. Compassion is a human response. You know, at, at, at times when people are in need, we we bring forth generosity. At times when, when people need support and help, we bring forth energy or discipline or effort and so on. So what is the in, in the digital realm, what is it we are we are responding to? You know, I think that's the first question we, we need to ask ourselves. And what are the problems and the challenges that 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 uh, we are we are trying to address here. Okay. I can think of at least two. Uh, maybe three uh, challenges. Number one, right? Um, social media or digital media on, on the social media on the digital platform has a way of making us be engaged in the commerce, where we continue to flip and scroll and press likes, and we even worry about likes on our postings. Do we get enough like? Do people like me? And so on. I think the first thing is to, you know, uh, to practice compassion or being a Bodhisattva in the digital environment is to tell people, hey, you know, 
don't worry about all this. It's not about what people think about you online. It's about you yourself looking inwards and, you know, addressing your issues, if any, and making effort to be a better person. Right? That's one, one thing. The other thing is about uh, the fear of missing out. Okay, you know, we a lot of people just get caught in the scrolling because there's so many postings, many things happening, you know, you don't want to get lost out. And a lot of information goes to your head. There's, uh, there's the opposite of one-pointedness instead of focusing on one item. There's so many things that we need to focus on. How do we calm our minds? I think we, we need to address this at least these mm. issues, right? So so yeah, so that's 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 my initial thought. So I think we need to understand the problem and not just throw solutions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the causes and conditions like really penetrate what it is that is motivating this. And you know, it's interesting that you say, you know, we can use these platforms as a a mode of looking inward and uh, working on ourselves, in in a sense, and and I perhaps I misunderstood you, but um, and I I believe that that is possible, but I also think that the 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 current climate, or at least the climate of social media use that I see the most often, is like best associated with kind of like virtue signaling, like projecting into this space an image of that you are actually doing better than you than you might actually be in real life that you are um actually upholding like in a sense the the identity of a specific type of person that you think you might want to be or that you aspire to be um digitally that is really a disconnected kind of avatar from our our personal experience and i i I don't think that it's uh set in stone at all it's a like you said, in one way, because we're so so focused on the way that we appear on social medias, we can actually use that as a as a means, I think, to actually bring more awareness to our our true conditions and maybe be able to consider, ah, okay, what, why do I keep editing my face? Why do I keep uh, <laughs> like lifting my cheekbones or reducing my uh, the, like the blemishes on my face or something like that? Um, in these ways, it can be a kind of almost wrathful um, practice of self-reflection, but it, it does take courage to do that, I think. Yeah, that's, that's true too. You know, as you were speaking, I was also I was reflecting on the self, you know. We, we are the result of our conditioning, how we are conditioned in the past, and in the current situation, conditions around us, we we create selves, okay, which we call egos, right? Okay, and one of the teachings, the very important teaching, is uh, of the of Buddhism is about non-self. That means getting away from the attachment to to, to a personality, to me, to who, you know, to, to, to a personality, right? And, and in, by doing so, it's about 
um, what do you call this? It's about uh, recognizing that the ego or the self that we have now or who we are is a result of conditioning, is a is a manifestation of our strength, it's also a manifestation of our weaknesses, our fears and our insecurities. And this is what we need to we need to understand and we need to deal with. And how do we the, the challenge is how do we bring this to the digital realm and have that message on a platform that continues to uh to encourage us to encourage people to to be who they are not supposed to be, right? To have an avatar, okay? And there be constantly be bombarded with information and data, and while at the same time, you know, the information is taken from 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 us, from the people, from the users. So, how do we practice? Do we join in? You know, we have seen. Uh, monks, nuns, Buddhist teachers appear, you know, make appearances on social media and share that message, you know. And is it is it the good way? Is it the right way? Right? I think this is something we need to discuss. Uh, I, I think it's, there's not a, there's not straightforward answer, okay. Uh, some monks or nuns just appear and, you know, have Facebook pages and, and talk and, you know, and share, you know, put posting out and teachings, is it effective? I don't know, right? But it is a very interesting platform for for well-known teachers who were easy, not easily accessible in the past, hmm. right? Like His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. He has daily, almost weekly teachings, right? That encourages people to be detached, okay? On a very attached platform. Mm-hmm. And I think it's working. There are a lot of people who start to, you know, accept his teachings and appreciate his teachings and, you know, hopefully it makes changes to their lives, okay? Uh, of course, there are also people who are very critical and it's the same platform allowed the, the criticism to come out in public, right? Mm. So so this is, I, I think it's um, it's an interesting tool, to 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 reach out to people who are probably in need uh, and mm. don't know for um, on their own they do not know how to how to do it. Okay, because spending a lot of time on on the digital media can be overwhelming experience. Yeah, this I mean this makes me think. I mean, every time I go into the like social media land. Uh, it feels like I'm entering a vortex of samsara. Like the 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 amount of like the speed at which my my thoughts like go is almost exponential compared to just sitting in a room like by myself. <laughs> if I'm sitting in a room by myself with a phone, like it, it's like it's like a samsara is magnified inside of that psychological space. And with with that understanding that I mean, we, we live in the samsaric world anyway of like uh, it's causally conditioned uh and and all and all of those points that you just mentioned but it's in that it's in that world that we still practice 
So practice is still possible within this increased world. And like you said, I mean, His Holiness the Dalai Lama is uh, the, a foremost example of like an individual who knows skillful means in terms of practicing. And it's almost like he has entered uh, Indra's internet of jewels to <laughs> to like penetrate the the digital like the digiverse and be able to transmit the teachings and just wisdom uh, in a way that can be effective and meaningful. And you, perhaps the impact is also less because of the intensity of the space. Rarely am I stopped in my scrolling tracks. <laughs> and, and I try to bring quite a bit of uh, attention to what I'm doing. Um, but still, it's a, in that sense, there is, there is, I think, lots of hope and upside but it it really um what it, a firm resolve or I, there there's a there's a term for it in buddhism but like when you sit down like to meditate or for with a very clear intent in in mind i will not like as, as the buddha did i will not leave this spot until i have reached enlightenment that was like the his story um but is there a similar way that we can have this kind of like uh, determination almost to every time we uh, tap in to perhaps use that as an opportunity to practice a new form of, uh, of awareness? Um, I, I think it is true. And, and it, especially if you can cultivate a stream of information that supports this. So I think that that, it, that could be a skillful way of, practicing practicing the, these types of uh yeah the, these types of things be, look around and find those teachers that are posting things that you that you connect with and populate begin to populate more of your newsfeed with little little reminders like that and then and in that way i think progress can can be made in terms of uh just extending or expanding awareness into this digital life you know i think it's 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 interesting that we're talking about this and i I think it's important not to think of this as two different worlds completely and two different persons being involved uh in 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 this space in the digital space why because you know um i firmly believe that the digital space the digital platforms and environment amplifies who we are good and bad you know and in some ways if you like to use the term it also uh, globalize who we are you know <laughs> if you are a good person uh, in in the days of pre-internet uh, your your goodness is known to 10 people right and you know if, if you're good in, on, on the internet and social platform your goodness will be known by 10,000 people potentially okay and and uh, vice versa. If you are not a good person, you'll be known by a few people, and 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 that same quality will be known by more people on the internet internet uh, platform. So I I think first is we need to understand it. Uh, it's a different environment, yet it amplifies and brings out the same um, mental conditions, mental situations, and um, you know. Uh, spiritual practice and so on 
that doesn't change, right? But but the the digital environment has very different characteristics. As what you mentioned just now, you know, everything goes faster, right? It's fast and more, you know, mm-hmm. right? And on, on, on a single platform, you can scroll your, fav- your most favorite uh, posts that come out and you can at the same time, or, or should I say on the separate tab, you can, you can scroll your, your, your postings and tweets and catch up what's happening somewhere else. And, and and if you open another tab, you will you can start reading the news or what's happening around the world, okay? And you'll be jumping back and forth. And very soon, you know, you have 20 tabs open. Okay? <laughs> right? It's, it's not a problem of technology. It's a problem of human mind. And, yeah. and the technology, you know, sadly, in this case, the technology amplifies this, right? You know, those days you are distracted by three things and you are and, and then you become absolutely you know uh distracted you know here you your your benchmark goes higher to twenty tabs right and while you're opening 10, 20 tabs you're probably even looking at your phone <laughs> right how often do you go for dinner and you have a conversation with someone on your phone is inside of you and how often do you keep looking down at your phone every time it beeps mm. you know so yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we tell ourselves, no, don't look at it. Put it in your pocket. Put it somewhere else, right? And and we have to deal with it. I think Bodhisattvas today needs to be equipped with, you know, a little bit of digital knowledge and uh, the, mm. the skill to 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 maneuver in this in this environment. Okay, so yeah. what are these skills? I think this is this is something that, you know, I, I, I would like to, I will share some thoughts later, but I would like to open more to to discussions. If, if some of the listeners out there, you know, listening to this recording, uh, this, this conversation later on, you know, just throw in the comment button and, 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 uh, and, and tell us what you think, you know. Better still, join us in our next conversation. Right? It's not easy. Yeah, to 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 exist in this space and um, with all skills, we have to update our skills. The the mm. you know bodhisattvas, you know, uh, two thousand years ago, maybe need to learn how to ride a bullock cart, for example. Today, we need to learn how to drive cars. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's a different skill, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like, honestly. Like when I, so my first introduction to like a, to, to meditation was this, was the Theravada school. And uh, in Theravada, the like kind of basic uh, practice of, of meditation takes the form of like two, two techniques that kind of build on top of each other. First is shamatha, which is like calming the mind. And the second is vipassana. But in shamatha, it's about, it, it's just about soothing the agitation of the thoughts because when you sit down and you actually have gotten yourself into the place where okay you you sit down and you you see you see what's happening uh it is a flurry and it feels like often for me from my own experience i have 50 tabs open in my mind all the time or at least when i sit down i'm like okay wow i've got tons of things going on at this moment and the 
the experience of shamatha feels like slowly closing those tabs. Um, and then once the tabs are closed, there's a kind of like little bit of uh, a blank space. It's like staring at the, it's like staring at the blank Google screen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can almost see, and I can see, like it, it, this is easy to actually visualize. You, I can see my mind typing in new things into the search box and pressing enter and then scrolling down a little bit like, oh, oh, look, okay, I got onto another tab. Close these tabs, go back. And the, 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 I think, honestly, this technological like metaphor is super applicable to my, my kind of experience of, of meditating or at least of calming my mind down. Um, but the, the skill that I think we practice there in terms of closing tabs is discipline. And I, I, th there is uh, Sanskrit words for this and Pali words, but uh, and I can't remember them at this, at this very moment, but it, it's being able to return to a principle of my intention here is to return to the breath. And regardless of how lost you might get in the sauce of the <laughs> of your internal tabs remembering that at any point that you notice this you can come back and it's about training that like kind of muscle of the mind to come back and and it requires discipline and it isn't like a, it's not like a sexy <laughs> um, <laughs> practice it's very it's it's quite gritty in fact it's mm -hmm. un uh it's unassuming as well but if you are able to develop quality of discipline that applies in all of these cases it if you have uh experience disciplining your mind in this way disciplining the awareness um when you're at dinner you will be able to notice your impulses to check the phone probably before you looked you could probably be noticing it as you're as you're speaking and be able to address it there and bring your awareness back to what the conversation was um so I think that these, like a very basic skill, learning to actually discipline the monkey mind, grab, grab the wild reins of the chariot that are just like going all over the place and actually begin to kind of um, harness your awareness. Yeah. You know, there's, um, it, I, uh, um, what you said is the it all boils down to uh, having compassion and having the wisdom to understand the environment we are in. You know the digital or the digital influenced environment, right? And the whole uh, Buddhist teaching still applies in this in in this in the sense that. It's about wisdom and compassion. In right, uh, we need we need definitely a lot more compassion. We definitely need much more wisdom in in understanding the world that we live in today. Right, you know that I have seen teachers that uh, totally um, against. You know, technologies, you know, you should get away from them, it's evil and so on, right? And we have seen teachers who embrace them, like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, uh, embrace technology and he make his presence really felt. And, and that impl 
that that amplification of his teachings has been most successful, right? You know, but it's also a platform for you know less scrupulous people. Or should I say, unscrupulous people to 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 exploit the situation, you know, and and we have to be very careful and mindful about about this. Whatever we are trying to do on the social media, it is very easy to be caught up, you know, to be popular, to be a popular teacher, to be a popular, you know, uh, uh, spiritual teacher. And I, I, I came across a Facebook page of a very well-known intern, um, uh, very well-known monk. And he has a fan page on on Facebook. Okay, uh, of course the good thing is some people do appreciate his teachings there. Uh, that that he that, that he speaks out, but there are a lot more people that seem to, if I may use the the word, worship him. Right. So mm-hmm. and and it's interestingly as a. Uh, these platforms allows the concept of uh, what are called influences. Okay, and uh, in in the digital world, okay, in uh, on the social media, uh, influences are people. Okay, that has uh, built a large following online, and their role is to influence other users. To do certain things, okay, and uh, in in the in the social media influences specifically um, direct users to make certain purchase. Obviously, the economic model has to work there, right? Uh, to buy things, to use things, right, and to and to influence our purchase, right? So the question here is. Buddhist teachers online, are they influencers? <laughs> Should they be influencers? What's the difference? How can they differentiate themselves? You know? So, yeah. So, again, let's let's think about this. I, I'm, I'm throwing this out. I know there are a couple of, even some of my friends are uh, Buddhist you know, leaders who, who are Influence to influences to to some extent. There's a large following, you know, and whatever he or she says, people do take it seriously, right? Of course, I've not seen any Buddhist monks or nuns or Buddhist influence influencers asking his followers to buy things. I've not come across that, fortunately, right? But the, the other aspect of influencers are is the is the ego portion, you know. I am influenced. I'm I'm an influencer. I have many followers. Right? Okay, so so it, again, this platform because it's of this global reach and ease to to uh, viralize messages to be viralized. You know, um, this is bound to happen. So there's a certain amount of uh, consideration we need to have reflections inside us. How are we using it? You know, kind of a check. Uh, more often check of our own emotions our, our our spiritual aims you know to to make sure that uh we keep on to the right track 
and the track on the of uh, of the principles of our practice. Yeah. So, yeah, this just just raising two interesting items that that kind of popped up in my head. Right? Mm. Yeah, I, I like that you bring up this like spiritual aims as well because I honestly think that 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 in itself can be a little bit of like a slippery slope in terms of uh, I mean like even in terms of like in terms of Buddhism like there's kind of uh, the path is the goal. It's, uh, it's the title of one of um, Trungpa's books. There isn't like a enlightenment isn't necessarily like a jackpot moment of you won the spiritual lottery because you bought enough tickets or like you, you, you worked hard enough. So you got to the top of the mountain. It's kind of like a, in this very moment, you are kind of complete and total and how, how much can you kind of grok, grok that in this moment? How much can you understand that? And so in terms of our aims for uh, engaging with the digital space, you know, it, it obviously depends, I think on your, on your, perspective and everybody has a very everyone has their own flavor of um of understanding these and that's why there's hundreds of religions and <laughs> and everybody has their own challenges and things like that but understanding this breaking down i think like you said earlier this divide between i have a, a spiritual practice and then then i have everything else is like is step one almost is about like blending on appreciating that if you feel a connection to some sort of uh some sort of practice of cultivating your self-awareness then nothing is excluded absolutely nothing the bathroom sleeping the time you spend on your phone all of that is grist for the mill as like ramdas would say um all of it is an opportunity to continue uh, evolving and working with the raw material of, of your experience. And so going in with an, an understanding like that, like being able to kind of take a step back maybe in, in journaling or on a walk and just understand that, okay, what, why am I here? <laughs> what, what am I trying to do? Can I live the fullest life with, through all of the things that uh, life includes, which, yeah, is something that I think we all need to take the time to reflect on without um, pensively, <laughs> maybe w without expecting an answer. And if we can continue to do that, carry out that process, uh, it, it will be applied and uh, manifest through the way that we engage with the world, that, and that includes all the digital spaces mm. yeah i think that's that's true you know uh, on the personal practice on the part of personal practice relation to the our, our digital media is i think the test really is can we put down our phones i mean really put it down have you know long enough blackout no phone time you know and turn it off, right? Okay. And not miss it, not 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 react to that. Okay. And really, you know, look into ourselves. And can can comp the practice of compassion 
in the digital platform uh, allows uh, or lead to you know kind of people um, switching off you know and being more connected to themselves and be connected with the people real people around us you know so I, I think it, it has it has come to that right and uh, from a, from a, from an individual standpoint and but from a from a teacher you know practice standpoint I think I, I still maintain we really need to understand the platform the tools the world that we are in today it is not just it's not so simple you know uh, uh, and and this 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 digital platforms have created ways to influence uh, our thinking and our minds, you know. And it's important to note that, and it's also important to to find ways to break away from that. Okay, so this is it's, it's almost like you know, um, samsara, like is what you said earlier, <laughs> and. How do we mm. how do we liberate ourselves and not be caught, you know, in 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 these tools that that uh, seemingly take advantage of us all, right? So there's a lot yeah, of I mean, action we need to we need to you know put into place and practice. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, of course, we're. I think like part of what I keep thinking about is what we're trying to do is help people engage with the digital space in a more uh, mindful way. But that, that doesn't necessarily need to be <laughs> actually like in the space. It, removing the space or working with the experience of, you know what, I'm going to go out to the shop and not bring my phone with me. Like what, what is that going to feel like? Because that, that's something that, uh, you know, you, you might do, but then halfway to the store, you might think like, oh, I wish I had my phone to take a picture of this thing. And like, okay, no, like maybe I can just absorb the beauty of this thing in the moment and let it pass, let it go. Um, because there's also this, there's this element of clinging, clinging and craving, really clinging to, to our experiences. Like I, I know personally when I, when I walk around and I see something interesting, perhaps it's uh, photogenic, aesthetically pleasing. I want to capture it and I want to take it with me. I want to share it. I want to uh, possess in a sense. I want to, to uh, turn the world into an object that I can keep. And as I explain it in that sense, of course, that this sounds like a negative thing, but th there, there are positive aspects. If, if I consider myself a photographer, then that's a, a very appropriate and can be an inspiring way of engaging with the world. But in terms of the way that technology facilitates this kind of uh, deep attachment to, to the world and deep attachment to our, what is a fleeting experience, our lives are fleeting experiences, no, no matter how dull, mundane, and uh, like kind of beige they may seem, everything is constantly changing. And I think that there's a false sense of um, almost permanence that comes with digital connection in the space that the social media almost feels like a timeless zone that you can go on there any time of day there's new content constantly happening of course it's time stamped but 
you know, that there's little updates that happen to the to the apps and everybody loses their mind. Like, oh my God, I, I hate it. I can't believe that they changed these buttons. And it's like it's like Facebook updated the operating system of your mind is is like what it feels like. And so th- there is this deep integration that I think we've all with technologies like that has become so deeply ingrained into our experience that taking time, taking a day, taking a weekend to digitally detox or even it, it doesn't have to be that dramatic. It can be a walk in the park without a phone or without earbuds just to listen to the world around you. Like the, I think those types of small little practices can bring more awareness and perhaps even more appreciation and gratitude for the supreme power that these things have um, and kind of the room that they take up in our minds because it is a tremendous amount of room. Yeah. Very true, you know, and one of the one of the very fundamental teachings of Buddhism is to be to not to be attached. Attached to, uh, in this sense, uh, not to be attached to things, you know, learning to let go, it's, it's important, right? You know, there'll be a lot of excuse why we want to keep holding the phone in our hand. What if my mom calls me? What if there's an emergency and need to hold on to it? But you spend more time on it, taking pictures, scrolling, flipping than anything else, right? So I, I think the ability to, it's, it's almost like meditation, that the, the ability to just close your eyes, focus your attention on the breath, and let everything else fade into the background. I think we need time away from, you know, the digital space and go into a safe, safe space, the, the meditation room, the the zendo, the the meditation mat in the corner of our rooms, right? So it's something like this. And, you know, and this is where, again, I, I want to say the whole digital world is not, not different, but it's, it, it, it mirrors our, our world, our mental, uh, you know, our, when our mental setup, our, our emotional setup, and it mirrors us, okay? But it moves at a very different pace. It it influences us in different ways that conventional, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking for the words like real life world, you know, don't have that kind of uh, influence onto our minds, uh, the the way we think, the information that comes to us, you know. Okay, you know, it's 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 this whole algorithmized uh, news that that influences us. So we need to take steps back away from these devices, from the digital world, into a quiet world, into that meditative, peaceful, safe place um, on a re- very very regular basis. Okay, just as we do with meditation, this this is becoming more and more important practice today. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, something that jumps to mind is like, uh, you you can set up these like little reminders on your phone to tell you how much screen time you've had per day, 
and uh, it, it's interesting. Like, <laughs> it is an interesting wake up call or just reminder, like the next morning to see, oh, yeah, I spent five and a half, five and a half hours online yesterday or, or my phone was used that much. That, that's how much screen time was used. Of course, there's many different ways that you can be using it. If you, if you use your phone for like a meditation timer, then, OK, maybe you can discount that, that time. But the, the, the point being is like uh, we are deeply embedded in this space, like, like you said. And if we're able to, yeah, if, if we're able to create more space that is already there, it's just currently kind of occupied. Like the mind is an incredibly spacious uh, thing to be to, to live inside of or t to have. I guess this this gets into the philosophy of mind. But um, the to to have mind to to be a mind is a very multi dimensional experience, and the richness of that experience is filled with all the content that we consume. But it can also be filled with what I was originally going to say was that there's also there's this Buddhist teaching of emptiness, mm. right? And so things things may seem like they are full. <laughs> we may think that our mind is like completely overwhelmed with information, and in fact, that is our experience. But if we're able to sit and let and let that run itself out, all of it kind of dissolves into into spaciousness. And even reflecting on, on, the, on our digital experiences, our, our digital lives, nothing is really more empty than, than our social media accounts. They're all ones and zeros. And, and, and inside of that, there, there, there's no real, there's no substance. It just is, they're strings of numbers. They're lines of code. Um, and, and really nothing more. All, all the rest of it is an emergent kind of illusion in a sense, which of course, of course, has meaning, but ultimately, it it's empty of of, of true substance. Mm. So that that is also the the reality of mind on a certain level, um, and and we we can come to observe these things in in the different manifestations that they they come to in our lives. So I think that that's another interesting element of the digital space as, as it relates to a kind of Buddhist view of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, we, I think we should, the next session we should, we should have a kind of a Dharma talk, uh, Dharma discussion about emptiness <laughs> and, and, and the digital world we live in. Right. Okay. You know, we, we are now talking on the digital world. You are in another country. I'm in another country. We are putting this, this together, we are, you know, sharing this out to people to listen, you know, and hopefully we get some response, you know, uh, response in the sense of more, more ideas, more feedback, more views, and more insights, you know, or, or uh, that that leads to deeper insights as to as to our world, okay, our world today, right? So. I'll need to get into some Nagarjuna for that, uh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe watch some YouTube videos about Nagarjuna. <laughs> no, no, let's let's not go there yet. <laughs> let's stick <laughs> to conventional, more agreed teachings. I think if you if if you go back to just the four noble truth, you know, it's mm. you know, 
challenges, dukkha, suffering, whatever you call it, exist. That's the first one, you know. And there's a yeah, that that this more pertinent. <laughs> yeah, and there's a cause to it, and there's a reason to it, and and the reason is one word in in Pali is called tanha, you know, craving. In you, I mean, like the 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 closer closer English word is is this want. I want more of something good. I want less of something not comfortable to us this clinging this this uh, this thirst to want right um you know give rise to attachment and and not being able to to detach is what you know cause cause the sufferings to happen okay and the, the third truth reminds us that hey there's a way that's positive you can get out of it it's not something that is uh you know kind of latched onto you, you need some divine higher powers to remove them. No, you can do yourself and it, it can be done. And and in the fourth uh, step, you know, fourth truth, we say, and these are the steps to do it. You know, it's just eight simple steps, right? I, I think this basic things like this is, is strong enough. And in, and in the, in the Buddhist, in the bodhisattva, you know, perfection, uh, bodhisattva practice, according to Mahayana tradition, you know, this fourth verse represents uh, the recognition that suffering is there and compassion is necessary. Wisdom is needed to, to, to eradicate uh, tanha, to greed, you know, thirst, attachment, craving. We need, we need strength, we need will, we need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need tools. We need support, right? And and the presence of the bodhisattvas reminds us that there is an end. It can be. It can be solved. It, we can overcome it, right? And guiding, uh, you know, pe- people or sentient beings along their path is the is the fourth truth. The 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 fourth truth embodies the. The, the vows of Bodhisattva. You know, I, I you know, in the, I can't, right at this point, I just can't remember all the four vows, but you know, it's like uh, as, as many as there are people suffering, I will not give up until everyone is, uh, you know, the suffering is gone, the suffering is eradicated. You know, and that's that's the power of the bodhisattva. That's the that's the will. That's the determination of of a bodhisattva, and that's what bodhisattva means. You just go out there and you try to help others, no matter where, no matter what condition, no matter which platform they are on, on whatever ecosystem. You know, we try to reach out to people, to to them. You know, and this is a reminder of what. Compassion in the digital environment has to be. Absolutely. Yes, I com- I completely concur. There is the core of the core of Buddhism is that and being able to reflect uh on that being able to reflect on that uh simple truths but very very profound. Um in itself will 
bring new insight into the way that these things are applied to our digital world. And and I know that I actually have a I have a tendency to overcomplicate things by wanting to dive into dialectical philosophies and <laughs> all sorts of things that are actually completely unnecessary and just become my own illusions and delusions. Um, but yes, but next time we will um, we will have this like a techno dharma talk and uh, be able to explore uh, the richness of this terrain um, by yeah br- bringing it back to the to the roots the core of what it's all about you know with i, I think with the with the reflection on the fond of truth maybe it's a good time to kind of uh conclude this session and you know allow people to kind of take the fond of truth you know and and uh, reflect reflect on it in in the in the world in the ecosystems that we are in today you know how do we how do we practice them more? How do we appreciate and bring our lives closer to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you all for listening as well. It's uh, We always appreciate uh, time that you give us to, to, to listen to these conversations. And uh, we welcome you all to also join in these conversations if you, if you would like. We have a clubhouse, um, Digital Boys Hopper Clubhouse that you can take take part in we want to hear your views as well so yeah take part thanks for listening thank you